Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse Pam McMillan. Hey Ryan, how are you today? I'm good, Pam. How about yourself? I'm good. Um, have you ever watched the news, scrolled through Facebook, and saw all these fad diets and don't yeah. know what to believe? Yeah. Stuff about nutrition. Vegetables. Vegetables. Plant-based, <laughs> Mediterranean. There's a lot. There's a lot, isn't there? I think we need to um, educate ourselves today and learn more about cancer nutrition and the importance after that diagnosis. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, that's one of the things I know you get asked about, like, uh, what should I eat or how should I eat differently Mm -hmm. or did my eating habits cause my cancer? You know, Mm -hmm. all those those real questions that I know many of our listeners are going, yeah, 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 absolutely. So that leads us to our guest today. Uh, many of our folks listening will, will know and recognize our guest. Uh, we've said it a hundred times or more, at least, that we have some amazing instructors. We do. And that comes with our instructor today. No pressure, right? <laughs> but Whitney Warminski is joining us today on the podcast. Whitney, thank you for joining us. And thank you more importantly for what you do for our survivors. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about and tell our listeners a little bit about you. Maybe that some of them may not know. They may know we have a nutrition class, but they're not really sure who teaches and, and so forth. So tell us about yourself. So I am a registered dietitian. I'm board certified in oncology nutrition. Um, before my oncology experience, I started out in acute care. So a little bit of hospital experience. But right now, my day job, as I like to say, is at an outpatient cancer center where I help patients with their nutrition. But my night job is teaching a monthly nutrition class here at the survivorship center. And it's really one of the the good challenges and joys that I have in my career. So awesome. Um, I know those classes are so educational. There's stuff that you teach us to make, educate us and stuff that I would have never tried, which I encourage all of our listeners to come in and try the, the class. Yeah. You know, I, um, some of the times it, it's interesting to see what goes into the, the, uh, various smoothies or salads and things like that. And you go, I've never thought of doing that. And then right, you, you yeah. taste it and you're like, Hey, this is really pretty good. It's a fun experience and people really seem to enjoy it and learn new things. So yeah. I'm happy to do that. Well, I do have to tell you too, one of the things that, that you did for us, um, probably sometime all oh, five, six months ago, you did a, a several video recipes. Yes. And, uh, I would encourage our folks, you know, listening, go to our YouTube channel and the YouTube channel is just 24 hours in the Canyon. Um, and you'll find, uh, the, the recipes there. And one of the recipes that, that you did, Whitney was a, uh, healthy tostada. Yes. And, um, it was so easy to follow you guys. I know Pam, I think I told you that. Did you make it? No, yeah, no, (laughs) it was too complicated for me, but my wife said, Hey, we got the ingredients and put our two children to watching the video step-by-step and making the tostadas and they were very good. And, you know, you can tell that by your, I watched a little bit of it as they were cooking to make sure that of course they didn't burn the house down. <laughs> that it was edible. <laughs> <And> edible. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, your, your, your in, instructions were very smooth and easy. 
and it was healthy, and it was very, very tasty. So just a side note, thank you for that. You're welcome. Listeners, go check that out on mm-hmm. YouTube and find that there. But today, we're talking about uh, nutrition for cancer survivors. Right. And we're going to talk about um, some of the various diets, if you will, or changes in diets, mm-hmm. and ways that survivors, while you're going through treatment and after treatment, can eat healthier. Right. So let's dive into that and and kind of start off just kind of with some basic information. Okay. So a lot of times during cancer treatment, it's a matter of just getting through that very day. So you don't have a lot of time to focus on, well, how healthy is my diet? What do I need to do? How can I improve? But after cancer treatment, that's an excellent time to really sit down and consider how can I change my diet? How can I change my lifestyle to help prevent risk of recurrence um, and just um, improve your overall health status? So that's something that we talk about in all of our nutrition classes here at the Survivorship Center. Um, And we really try to follow the recommendations set forth by the American Institute for Cancer Research. Um, they have come up with 10 recommendations for cancer survivors to help reduce risk of recurrence and to help prevent cancer in general. So not only would it be appropriate for cancer survivors, but also their families um, and whatever caregivers they might have in their lives. So you said during treatment is not the perfect time to change maybe your eating habits. So we if know, all I can eat is ice cream, is that okay during treatment? Temporarily, you just have to kind of do what works for you to mm-hmm. prevent malnutrition during treatment. We encourage people to eat as healthfully as possible, but sometimes that's just not possible. So after treatment, I think for more people is a better time to really consider your diet and, life t- and lifestyle changes. So yeah, just trying to get through treatment. Um, and, and maintains, I know a lot of times you've had to work with folks on, on, uh, increasing caloric intake and and things like that. Right. We're just talking about in that case, getting through treatment. Right. Just preventing that malnutrition. So you might be experiencing side effects from cancer treatment that prevent you from eating certain foods. Um, so it's working with people to find things that they are able to eat to maintain their nutrition status and get them through treatment. And then once they're recovered and feeling better, that's when we would really encourage them to start focusing on, okay, what can I do to help prevent risk of recurrence? So you mentioned some guidelines for cancer prevention. Um, Can you talk about those? Yes. So there's a couple major organizations that have set forth some, some guidelines for cancer survivors. One of those is the American Institute for Cancer Research. Um, And one of the things they emphasize is a plant-based diet. So that doesn't mean vegetarian. It doesn't mean vegan necessarily. It's just that the the majority of your diet is coming from plant-based foods with smaller portions of animal proteins or animal products. Um, So plant-based foods, those are things like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds. Those are what we would consider to be plant-based foods. Sometimes whenever I think of plant-based, I think of only green. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. I was like, wait a minute, nuts and fruits? Right. There's a lot more colors besides green. Um, That's good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Each different color of plant-based food has a different set of of cancer-fighting properties. Is that something called phytochemicals? Phytochemicals, that's right. So if you've you've ever been to my class, you know I talk about phytochemicals every chance I can get. Um, So phytochemicals 
chemicals are just those naturally occurring plant chemicals that when you consume them can offer a health benefit and affect your body's cellular processes. So, so real quick question, because some of our listeners, I I had this question and I don't know if you guys do that are listening, but um, what about fresh versus frozen versus canned? You know, again, variety is important. Um, You know, some people don't have the ability to buy fresh fruit all the excuse me, fresh food all the time. So doing frozen, canned, whatever is the most convenient option for you is important. Um, And actually some nutrients you absorb better from cooked products like tomatoes, for example, The lycopene is a phytochemical that you'll find in tomatoes, and it's more bioavailable if you actually have it in cooked tomato products. So um, variety is important. So when you say plant-based, I know for me, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, where do I start? Mm -hmm. What are some easy suggestions for our listeners to start a plant-based diet? So I would encourage you to think about what your plate looks like at mealtime. So usually we're really good about focusing on that animal protein, whether that's chicken, turkey, beef here in cattle country. Um, So try to have one third of your plate be that animal protein. And the other two thirds of your plate would be your plant-based food. So you could include a carbohydrate, a starchy food, whether that's something like brown rice or whole grain pasta, whole grain bread. That would be a plant-based food. And then try to fill the rest of your plate with your colors. So whether that's a green leafy salad, green leafy salad, or, you know, if it's an opportunity for you to have fruit, maybe incorporate some berries, Mm -hmm. just trying to visualize your plate is the most practical way to plan meals that are plant-based. Something very colorful. Yeah. You know, um, I was just thinking back to like, supper the other night you know trying to figure out <laughs> yeah. did, I, did i achieve that or did i not achieve it i tend to go with the same color maybe i need to Mine go branch out I, right yeah i kind of you know i'm a creature of habit and mm-hmm. so yeah it tends to be the same thing over and over but mm-hmm. i like what you said pam about colorful mm-hmm. and i know that's one of the things that, that that you teach as well whitney is mm-hmm. you know, have a colored plate or a colorful plate right and the more vibrant the color is the more powerful the phytochemicals the cancer fighting properties are so you know when you're choosing lettuce maybe you're used to just having that iceberg lettuce all the time well maybe the challenge would be to not only get your iceberg because you know you like it but let's add some darker leafy greens in with it like arugula or baby spinach or even baby kale Mm -hmm. just to expand your nutrients and try some new things try one of those mixed boxes at the grocery store yes yeah that's a really convenient option too and they're colorful they've got a lot of different vegetables sometimes in there as well they do the the lettuces you know the peppers and things like that Mm -hmm. they'll have sometimes cabbage or um, radicchio sometimes so you can um, incorporate that with something you know you already like that way it's a it's a more of a balance um you also talked about meat we're really good about selecting the meat here in the panhandle we are What's your suggestion about meat? Should we eat red meat? Should we not? Should we eat processed meat? Right. So again, plant-based does not mean you have to be vegetarian. It's just that your diet is mostly plants. So regarding red meat, the recommendation is to have no more than 12 to 18 ounces or less per week. So you can imagine the palm of your hand for most women is about three ounces. So you could have that much six times a week and still be within that recommendation. 
Um, so, you know, for most people, it's not really a big restriction. Now, if you're used to eating like a cut of steak most days of the week, then it would be a big change. But, um, I found that for a lot of people, they're surprised that it it allows for that much. Mm -hmm. What about chicken or, you know, uh, fish? So (laughs) fish and poultry, those are preferable to red meat just because there hasn't been as much of a correlation with cancer risk with poultry and fish as there has been with red meat. Um, And now to processed meat, and again, this can make me kind of unpopular at times Uh (laughs) during my nutrition (laughs) counseling. It, It is best to avoid processed meats as much as possible. And that's just because the increased risk of colorectal cancers that have been associated with even small amounts of red meat or processed meat consumption. When we say processed meat, what kind of meats are we talking about? So that would be things like bacon. Uh (laughs) Yeah. You are going to be unpopular. I know. I told you that. Yeah. Um, Sausage, deli meats. um, And yeah, even if you go to the deli counter and have them slice the deli meat for you, that still is considered a processed meat. So it's best to avoid those as much as possible. So I'm trying to think like for my daughter, I pack her a sandwich. Mm -hmm. What is another alternative for lunch meat? Um, you know, rotisserie chicken that you can get at the grocery store is a really popular option because you can portion it out, you can freeze it, but you can achieve the same effect if you just cook a little extra chicken or even if you're cooking beef and then portion it out and freeze it and use that as an alternative to deli meats, um, you know, peanut butter or any kind of bean spread like hummus if your kid likes that. Um, things like canned tuna or canned chicken, actually, those are not considered to be processed meat. So you could make a salad with that if you wanted. And and that would be an alternative as well. So what if I'm a bacon lover and I just really have to have bacon? Is it okay to have it every now and then? Every now and then, of course. So, you know, if I meet with someone that says they eat bacon five times a week, well, okay, well, let's try to cut that down to four times a week. So Mm -hmm. any improvement that you can make is beneficial. Mm -hmm. Baby steps. Baby steps. (laughs) Yes. And that's the key to a successful diet change is to kind of look at it in small stages. Because when you look at all the changes you need to make, maybe to fit in with these recommendations, it can be really daunting and overwhelming. So I would encourage people to try to focus on what you're adding to your diet rather than what you're taking away from your diet. What? So you talked about the the one recommendation. What are some of the other recommendations that some of our folks need to listen to. So another recommendation is to limit your consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages. So it's best to choose mostly water or unsweetened tea or even coffee. So this is one of my redeeming recommendations is I tell people that they can drink coffee, but yes. the problem is what we put in our coffee. So um, just be careful. What about, well, so like what about artificial sweeteners? Mm-hmm. Is that still a no-no or is that kind of it's okay, but it's not the best. So all of the artificial sweeteners on the market are generally recognized as safe by the FDA. 
Um, so I would just say use it as you would a regular sweetener, like regular sugar. So neither one of them really offers a health benefit. So either one in limited amounts. Um, but if you have diabetes or a condition where you're really trying to limit your intake of added sugars, then you might need to choose an artificial sweetener instead. But she did say, Pam, coffee is okay. That's good for you. That's good for me. <laughs> that is good news. Sweet tea wasn't good. That's not good for I me. Know, no. Unsweet like tea. Unsweet tea. Yes, like unsweet tea. Um, so some of the other recommendations would be to limit your consumption of highly processed foods because they tend to be higher in added fats and added sugars and higher in sodium. So, um, you know, you might have heard to shop the perimeter of the grocery store. And I would argue that there is some good things that you can find in, on the middle aisles too. So don't neglect those, but that just means to try to limit how often you're dining out or getting foods that are instant to prepare. What about like cheese and dairy? Is Should we limit that? So that would be considered an animal protein. So you'd want to include that into maybe the smaller portion of your diet mm -hmm. and focus more on those plant-based foods. And I know sometimes um, we get questions about soy. Mm -hmm. um, is it okay if I've had breast cancer or not? Um, so what's the recommendation there? The recommendation would be for moderate amounts of soy, whole soy foods for for breast cancer survivors that are estrogen receptor positive. So whole soy foods would be things like soy milk or soy yogurt, edamame, tofu. And that generally means like about three servings of those products a day. That's not too bad. No, uh -uh. It, especially if you're, I mean, what I'm hearing, and I know this is what you um, teach, is moderation. Right, basically. Know? So I want our, our listeners, you know, to think, it's kind of funny, we always kind of joke, oh, here comes Whitney, what's on the menu, or what are we But are I'm we not so her? much afraid of her. I mean, like, she's very reasonable. She doesn't give you... But I'm not the food police. Eye. I, I don't want to be the food the police. dietary jokes. Right, right. right. Yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, that's one thing I think that is... It, you're real and it's in moderation. And if you're having this, you know, five times a week, maybe try four. Cut back on that. Working in right. a positive motion. So all of our listeners can, can keep, keep listening. Don't turn it off because, no. but you know, you think, well, she's telling me I can't have bacon and she's telling me I can't. She's not telling you that. She's telling you in moderation. Right. And like I said, focus on what you're adding to your diet. So, okay, maybe you know you're not great about eating fruit. So focus on, okay, I'm going to add fruit into my diet three times a week rather than I'm going to take bacon away five times a week. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's about to be fruit season, right? Right, so, yeah. So a great opportunity to try a variety of different fruits since it's all what coming What about serving season. sizes for fruits and vegetables? Is there something that we should meet? You know, just generally speaking, I would say three and a half to five cups of fruits and vegetables a day. But I think it's more practical to focus on that plate method where you visualize your plate and focus on that. Okay. Two thirds is going to be the fruits and vegetables or the plant foods. And then the smaller portions of the animal proteins. So what if I'm not a fruit lover? Can I do smoothies? Do you get the same benefits? Yes. You yeah, you can. Um, but it's funny because when you're making smoothies, sometimes people want to add like five or six servings of fruit into a smoothie. So it ends up having a lot more calories than probably people intend to take in. And then I think 
you know, it doesn't have much protein in it. So it's not really a meal replacement. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of consider what all you're putting in your smoothies. So you want to do, you want to have a good source of protein, whether that's Greek yogurt or low fat milk or even soy milk, if you're looking for a dairy alternative, um, and then adding your fruits and maybe even some vegetables, vegetables <laughs> into your in yeah now we're getting crazy here but i think you might be surprised if you added just you know a handful of baby spinach or baby kale it's really got a mild flavor and if you combine it with something that has a stronger flavor like a banana or pineapple it will be hard to even tell that it's there so being real sneaky putting some greens in there to now, you'll be able up. to tell with the color but sure. it really doesn't affect the flavor much what about, I know we live in a fast-paced world. We're on the go. Kids got soccer, whatever, and it's easy just to drive up and pick up fast foods. It is easy. It is easy. But that falls into our recommendation of limiting those highly processed foods because if you've ever looked at the nutrition facts from a fast food meal, the sodium alone is usually more than your daily allowance for sodium. So typically most people need between 1500 to 2300 milligrams of sodium a day and easily a fast food meal could be over 2000 milligrams of sodium. So so maybe meal prepping meal prepping yes planning ahead is key for success yeah you know you don't think about i'm guilty a lot of times of you know oh i forgot i had this tonight or you know we can right. go to this and rush 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 and it is it's hard to really be intentional one thing we've noticed too that we do is you know if we're cooking something whether it's um pork or chicken or something we always do try to make a little extra yes, so we have it it's so helpful to just prep a little extra while you're already cooking something but the other thing is try to make a habit of designating a time every week where you're going to sit down and plan you know three or four meals a week you don't have to plan to cook every single night a week because hopefully you'll allow for some leftovers mm -hmm. or meal prepping um, but then from your meals that you've planned out then you can sit down and make your grocery list and then you have those things available to help you make those healthier yeah. choices you can even make it easier by ordering your groceries online absolutely in fact i have to go pick up my groceries after we finish yes. today yes you know that that has been a very nice thing so if you can without getting into too terribly specifics mm -hmm. when the time comes because it is it does it happens where you just have to grab something right can you give our listeners maybe some guidance as look at maybe this option or mm -hmm. those are the good things to try you know just generally speaking try to avoid things that say like crispy or creamy or um, something that you know that's been deep fried and you'll save yourself a lot of added fat just by doing those things you know just skipping the cheese if you can can save yourself a lot of saturated fat intake on your fast food meals um, and then nobody ever wants to choose the side salad over the fries but that would be a good opportunity to get some plant-based foods in and if you don't want the side salad then you know maybe they offer a fruit cup Mm -hmm. um, and even if you don't eat it at the time, you can save it, have it with breakfast the next day. Um, and I would still consider that to be a win yeah. for people. What about when you have um, your vegetables, organic, non-organic? Is that something that, that our survivors need to be paying attention to? So listen, any vegetable is better than no vegetable. Um, you know, 
I would encourage you to get the best quality of produce that you can get, whether that's conventional or organic. Mm -hmm. There is no real significant nutrition difference between organic and conventional produce, but people choose organic foods for a variety of different reasons. And most of those are personal choices. So if you have the means to do that, and that's something that you feel strongly about, then hey, eat your organic produce and feel good about it. But if you don't have the resources, then absolutely you can get all of your nutrition from conventional produce. Didn't we have a speaker one time say 10% of something is better than 10% of nothing? nothing. Absolutely. So absolutely, you can get any type of fruits and and vegetables. As Whitney said, if you're reaching for a vegetable, that's a good start. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's organic or non-organic. Right, right. It's just vegetables. Any any vegetable is better than no vegetable. (laughs) What about alcohol? It is best to avoid alcohol for cancer prevention. So that also can make me unpopular with people. I think some people just turned us off. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But if you do drink alcohol, then it would be a recommendation for two standard drinks a day for men and one standard drink a day for women. And I'm sure if you went to a heart doctor, they would probably say it's okay to drink. Yes, and that has actually happened before. I've had a cancer survivor come to me and say, you know, my cardiologist has recommended that I that I drink red wine. Well, I would say that might be good for your cardiovascular health if that's something that your your cardiologist has recommended. But we know for cancer prevention, it's best to avoid alcohol. Right. Well, and two, as you said, it two standard drinks for men and one for women. Right. So it is if if you know it's not like it's the ultimate taboo no no. Right. Exactly. And again, like we've talked about with other things, it's it's just comes down to moderation. So I would view it kind of similar to the way that I would view processed meat every once in a while. If you want to have an alcoholic beverage, then you do that. Sure. And if every once in a while you want to have a hot dog, then you do that. Yeah. Um, sometimes at night we're watching TV and I always see the commercial about the fruit and veggie supplements. What about supplements. It's funny that you say that because one of the recommendations from the American Institute for Cancer Research is to not use supplements for cancer prevention. Mm -hmm. And that can be kind of confusing for people. But what that means is you can't out supplement a poor diet. So you can't be hitting the fast food drive through three times a day and then try to take your fruit and veggie peel to Mm -hmm. make up the difference. And we just know it doesn't work that way. So when you actually ingest the nutrients from your plant-based foods, you get kind of a synergistic relationship with the way those nutrients interact on your body's chemical processes that you just can't get from a pill. So, you know, I think it's a nice try. And that doesn't mean if you have a vitamin or mineral deficiency that you shouldn't correct that, but you can't out supplement a poor diet. Well, and I would imagine too, those sometimes can be very expensive. They can be. And they're also not regulated by the FDA. So, you know, we've seen studies where people think they're taking a certain supplement, but it ends up being actually a really low amount compared to what they intend to be taking. So you have to be cautious with that, too. Yeah. So it's important to eat our fruits and vegetables. Eat your fruits and vegetables. Not take the pill. You know, I think, you know, I've said that as a parent. I know my parents said it to me, and there is good source behind that. Right. It's not just because I told you so. Because I told you so. But, I mean, I know it's hard to get your kids to eat fruits and vegetables, but you just got to persist. (laughs) But you do sometimes waste a lot of food along the way. True. But if they see you eating the food, then they're 
going to be more yeah. likely to eat that too. We've touched on several of those recommendations. Are there any others that our folks need to learn about? Um, you know, physical activity, and we have some great resources for physical activity. I'm sure that you'll be discussing that on some of the episodes, but generally speaking, trying to move your body every day if you can, but at least 150 minutes a week for physical activity uh, is important. And you heard it there, Pam. She said move. Mm-hmm. Didn't say run, didn't say swim, didn't say bike. It's just right. movement. Right. And that's what we always talk about with, with cancer survivors is where you are. Right. You know, uh, be active in right. whatever capacity you can be. And 150 minutes a week? Yes. That's not too much to ask. No, I don't think so. So 30 minutes, five days a week. True. And I think we have classes five days a week. That last at least 30 minutes. That's right. <laughs> and I think they all move. And they do. Most every one of them are moving, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we encourage you guys um, to look at the calendar, follow us on Facebook, um, and check out the, uh, the options we have. Right. Whether it's something as simple and, and, and non-aggressive, if you will, like yoga or Tai Chi, mm-hmm. or maybe it's water exercise that it's non-weight bearing because you're in the water. Right. You know, or a walking group. Right. It's yeah, nice outside excellent. in the evenings. You know, get out and walk with your spouse, your loved ones, uh, your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but 150 minutes per week uh, is the recommended goal. It is. What about, um, I know you said phytochemicals. Um, what does that mean for our survivors? So, like I said before, the phytochemicals are just those naturally occurring plant chemicals that can help reduce risk of cancer recurrence, but can also affect your other body, your body's other cellular processes. So I like to describe it as the cancer fighters in your diet. So if you kind of think about, okay, plant-based foods are phytochemicals, and those are the cancer fighters that I can add to my diet. Um, And then also just getting the variety of different colors and different smells. We didn't talk about smells earlier, but, you know, some vegetables and fruit have stronger aromas than others. And those really are higher in phytochemicals. So what you're smelling is the phytochemicals like in broccoli, Mm. for example. Have you ever Mm kind of noticed that pungent smell in broccoli? You know, the same with garlic and ginger. Those are the phytochemicals and those are the cancer fighters. So you Mm -hmm. can kind of imagine that and look for ways to incorporate some of those need to go have some broccoli Uh, well i believe it or not (laughs) i did have broccoli last night so all right there you go it's very perfect timing for you to bring that up yeah you know it is it's one of those smells that you go hmm yeah you mentioned garlic is that what about spices herbs and spices are actually one of the most potent sources of phytochemicals so again it doesn't have to be fresh herbs or you know freshly ground spices you can you can buy the jarred spices um, and herbs and use those however you can and that's a good way to cut back on your sodium intake too is to use different herbs and spices to flavor your foods and add phytochemicals and also cut back on your sodium intake huh now you mentioned a minute ago too and i know we're, we're really kind of jumping around that's kind of this is but it's it's really i mean i think I, I do believe though pam we're asking all the questions that our listeners want to know 
Yes. White rice, brown rice. Brown rice is considered more of a whole grain product. So the, the grain is actually intact. It has more nutrients and it has more fiber. And fiber is, we haven't talked about fiber yet, but the goal for fiber is around 30 grams per day. And that helps with your digestive function. And also fiber is another source of those phytochemicals. So the cancer fighting properties. Good deal. Can y'all tell that's my favorite word? <laughs> <laughs> I always think, oh my gosh, she's going to quiz us. I got to know what it is. Right. I will. Every single time I'll quiz you. Yes. So we talked about you having classes here. What should someone expect if they come to your class? Well, for one, it'll be really fun and exciting, and you'll probably try something new. Um, I try to demo a recipe that's really simple, that people can easily find the ingredients for at your local grocery store. So we'll do a little uh, recipe demonstration and then some education too, but I try to incorporate the recipe with whatever kind of educational information that we're going over that day. Um, I know that you did a butternut squash with kale and yes. some nuts, and I thought this isn't going to be good. And it, I mean, it was very good. That was one of my favorite recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to admit, I did try it, uh, and it, it, it's good. It's it, surprisingly good. It is. It is. And, and I hate to say that, like it's really. <laughs> it wasn't a had high. Well, like you said, you look at the ingredients list, and it's like, how is this going to come together? But it really mm-hmm. does. And then, of course, this, the, as we talked earlier about the spinach or the kale and the smoothie. Right. And we've, we've done that. And mm-hmm. you think, oh, my gosh, how can this can't be tasty? But it is. It really is. And, you know, I think um, some of the other things that you've done in classes are like healthy substitutions. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of using this, use that. And instead of using this, use that. And so I think it's always uh, it's good because you're going to learn a lot. Plus... Whitney is really good at answering questions, mm-hmm. just like we have today. I mean, we've been just throwing. I do my best. I do not know everything, and I do not profess to know everything. But if I don't, I'll find the answer out for you. Well, and that's that's good. I mean, we're we're always looking for education, right? And always. you know, regarding nutrition, everybody eats, so everyone has an opinion on nutrition. And when you're a cancer survivor, you get a lot of well-meaning but sometimes uninformed or undereducated advice so it's important to consult your healthcare team um, with any questions or any advice that you get that you might be thinking hmm I don't know if that's accurate or not is there good resources out on the internet because we know we google we do um, yes is there good sites that you can recommend um, yes. to go look at yeah so we've talked about the American Institute for Cancer Research a lot their website is great not only can you find the recommendations for cancer prevention on their website they have a blog they have recipes and I access it very often Um, the American uh, Cancer Society has another great website on diet and nutrition and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics has an oncology nutrition section too that has good nutrition information yeah you know uh, we're all guilty right of googling up recipes and looking at things <laughs> right so it's kinda, it says it says it's healthy yeah, but. I know. well and that's the <laughs> other thing that we haven't really touched on is on labels and mm-hmm. i'd like to talk about that but but you know the thing about it is um you google something and you say it says oh this is healthy like you said pamela mm-hmm. oh this is this is great for this and don't always believe that right right those yeah. are three vetted really good solid resources 
that our folks can go to and know what they're getting from those those websites is good information. Yes. And as always, they can call here if they have questions and we can get that to you. Yes. Do you mind touching on labels? Mm Because I know that might be a little confusing. It's very confusing for people. And they have updated the Nutrition Facts label in the past few years to make it a little more consumer friendly. Um, And they've updated the serving sizes to portions that people are actually eating. So the first thing you would look at when you look at a Nutrition Facts label is the serving size to make sure the portion that you're eating is actually what the nutrition information is based on. Um, And then it kind of just depends on what you're looking at. So it's important to limit your sodium intake. And I would say that's something people probably don't look at as much. But, you know, to be a low sodium food, it would be less than 140 milligrams of sodium per serving. But if you don't remember that, then a good way to understand would be to profile the ingredients list. Mm-hmm. and see yeah. what the product contains because it's in it's listed in order of most to least as far as the ingredients. So what are some things that we should avoid on that list? So if you're looking to limit foods that are high in added sugars, you would look at your ingredients list and if, you know, some kind of added sugar whether that's granulated sugar or any other additive is in the first few ingredients, then that means the food is probably high in added sugar. Um, on the nutrition facts label, it now says added sugars, whereas before it did not. So that's another way to look how at how much added sugar a food has. Yeah, and just because it says low sugar or low sodium on the front doesn't necessarily right, you still, mean that. It's still good to consult the ingredients list and the nutrition facts label. Another thing you could look at is the fiber content of a food, especially if it's like a supposedly a whole grain or a grain product, and you want it to have at least three grams of dietary fiber, and you can find that under the carbohydrate section of the food. Now, what about the gluten-free... Um stuff that's out there is it important to give that away you know gluten-free is primarily for people who have celiac disease Mm -hmm. um and that is is what it was intended for now people might have other allergies or sensitivities to gluten but my message is a gluten-free cookie is still a cookie um (laughs) so you know if if you're trying to just limit gluten because it makes you feel better then it's not necessarily a healthier alternative to go gluten-free but um, you know, for cancer prevention or reducing risk of recurrence, it's not necessary to follow a gluten-free diet. Yeah. Sometimes going to the grocery store, is just overwhelming. Absolutely. You see all these products and you're thinking, okay, it's healthy. Mm-hmm. This must mean it's healthy. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of your gluten-free products are low in dietary fiber. So you can miss out on some of the nutrients from that too. So really what I'm hearing is only go gluten-free stuff as if you do have celiac. If you have some indication for it, yes. Absolutely. What about keto? Mm-hmm. I don't know if some of our folks <laughs> have talked much about keto. I get that question um, pretty often, and it's mostly from people who are wanting to lose weight. And if you follow a keto diet, you, you will lose weight and you'll lose it quickly. But keto for most people is not something that you can maintain for a long term. And one of the other issues is, well, think about what foods are keto friendly. It's meats, animal proteins, right? So that's completely conflicting with what we just talked about with the emphasis on those plant-based foods. So, you know, keto diets are low in fruits, which we know has great cancer fighting properties. So um, it's not something that I generally recommend, but I know it's very popular. (laughs) 
Is there any other popular diets that maybe we should avoid? Um, there's always a new diet out there. It's so hard for me to even keep up sometimes. You know, a lot of the like the meal delivery programs, mm -hmm. those can be good for for short term results, but most people don't want to eat prepackaged food for the long term. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's just about trying to find a balance of, okay, maybe I do this program to jumpstart my weight loss, but then I have to find something that's sustainable long term. Maybe we shouldn't look at it as food as diet, but more nutrition. Absolutely. Fuel. Absolutely. Fuel. Now, if you're wanting to look to a diet to try, then I think the Mediterranean diet would be a great one. Um, it's well studied and it's proven again and again and again all the health benefits that it can offer on your cognitive health, on your cardiovascular health. Um, and it really fits closely in line with the recommendations from the American Institute for Cancer Research. You know, there's that word again, right? American Institute of Cancer I know, I've, Research. I've said it a yeah, lot. So if you haven't picked up on that, uh, along also with the cancer-fighting uh, ingredients, phytochemicals, that's right. These are important things. And so, yeah, the American Institute of Cancer Research is the, one of those websites Whitney mentioned. And so uh, we encourage everyone uh, to go there uh, and check it out. Right. Great nutrition information yeah. there. I tell you, Pam, it's there's a lot. I think I might need to look at what I'm eating and maybe change a few things, yeah. add a few things. Add a few things. See what you need to add in to offer more health benefits to That's yourself. Right. See if That's I right. can get Emma to eat broccoli. Yeah, good luck with that, right? <laughs> We're going to try. And, and and less sweet tea and, you know, and uh, those are all things that we, we can all Moderation. take, take uh, you know, advantage of and, and put that into uh, practice daily. Yes. Yes. Is there anything else that you um, want to add to um, for our listeners? You know, like I said earlier, any fruit and vegetable or plant-based food is better than no fruit, vegetable, plant-based food. So if you hate fruits and vegetables, try adding one serving a week. You know, it doesn't have to be this overwhelming, daunting overhaul on your diet, but just look at ways that you can make small changes and that really can make a big difference in your overall health. That sounds very reasonable. Yeah, it's a good tip. Yes. Start, start small. Start small. Yeah. Eat plants. Eat plants. <laughs> that sounds like a t-shirt. Start, start small. Hey, that plants. could be our new logo. Yeah. There's lots of information that I've learned today and yes. I'm Thank you, Whitney, for Absolutely. sharing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I'm happy to. Um, we always like to leave on a Pete's Powerful Moment. Um, that's just something that you can tell us um, in the line of work that you do that has affected maybe a patient or something. Specifically here in my nutrition classes, I had a participant come and we had we demoed a recipe with probably some ingredients that people may have never heard of or never tried. Um, but this person specifically tried the product and, you know, she was pleasantly surprised by it. And she said, you know, I don't eat green foods. But I tried this and it wasn't as bad as I thought. So I think I might try it at home even so that just was really powerful to me in teaching and empowering people to choose healthier foods that you haven't tried before or maybe that you're not familiar with how to prepare and it doesn't have to be complicated it's, it doesn't have to be overwhelming yeah. absolutely 
Needless to say, I know that lady came back. And she did. Yeah. Tried some more stuff. So. She, yes. She's she's been a, an amazing participant. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Whitney. Thank you for what you do for the patients that you serve, both at your day job and your <laughs> night job, as you say. <laughs> thank you. It really is one of my greatest privileges. Well, we do appreciate it. And I tell you, I, I, I say it all the time. I said it earlier. We have some great instructors that know a lot of information. There's so much information out there, it can become overwhelming. So I know these folks are very um, yes. good resources. Well, and you know, when you, when you're going through cancer treatment, it's information overload. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way you can remember all these things. Right. Uh, there's just no way. And and people so, trying to be meaning well, saying, sure. oh, well, you need to try. Yeah. This. And that's why we have our instructors like Whitney to come in after you're done with treatment or while you're going through treatment with questions at class or talk about these things and just learning incrementally along the way on your cancer journey. So uh, take advantage of our instructors. Whitney's just one of many that, um, like I said, they're all uh, very, very talented in their own uh, areas of expertise. So uh, Pam, I tell you what, I know there's some things I'm going to add to my plate and maybe some things I might subtract to my plate. All right. So not so much bacon. Not so much bacon. Yeah. <laughs> but you can add something. I can add something in place of bacon, mm-hmm. like broccoli. It starts with B. It's yeah. yeah. It's a great swap out. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, with all seriousness, I think this has been a great episode to learn from today. And uh, probably one you may, you may want to go back and re-listen to a time or two. Uh, but more importantly, share this podcast. You know, we talk about it all the time, hitting all the buttons. Like it, share it, uh, subscribe to it. Uh, leave a, re- a review for us. Uh, and if you have questions, please let us know. You know, call us here at the Survivorship Center at 806-331-2400 or email us at info at the number 24survivorship.org. But be sure and spread the word about Beyond the Ribbon. It's very important. You know, we have some great information that we, we want to get out there uh, to those that need it. Right, Pam? That's right. And we're always open to suggestions. So if you want to hear a topic that we haven't covered, Please let us know and we'll search um, the right person. That's right. We'll find them. That's right. Thank you guys for joining us this week and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again and we'll be back next week.